Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. probably don't have to tell you what that montage of music is that you just heard because it's some of the most familiar music to anybody who uh, loves or even follows Broadway in any way. Welcome to Behind the Curtain. This is Paul Lisnick. Uh, you all know me from the political side of WGN-TV, but the podcast is where I get to leave the political world behind when I want to and talk about my other and maybe even larger passion, which is theater and Broadway. Yes, we're going to be talking about My Fair Lady, Lerner and Lowe's My Fair Lady. That's what all that music was from that you just heard. And joining me is Professor Henry Iggins himself, Laird McIntosh, who returns to Chicago to do this show. Laird, it's good to see you, and welcome back to Chicago. It's great to be back. Thank you so much. And by the way, just as a little history, because people who uh, you know may have seen you before not realized it, you are, were on Broadway, of course, and Phantom of the Opera, Jekyll and Hyde, uh, but you were certainly in Chicago, among other times. Uh, you were Mr. Banks and Mary Poppins. Uh, we did a, uh, I did a uh, Comcast television show about that. We, we talked about him here. What a great show that was, and you worked with some fantastic people, Gavin, Ashley. You had some great folks in that show. Oh, that was that was such a wonderful time for me. Um, I actually um, came down to Canada uh, uh, from Canada to Chicago, and that was kind of my uh, my entry into the United States and uh, opportunity to uh, work here for the first time. And um, that was that was just a great experience. I mean, you couldn't have a better experience than to do your first show in in uh, America in Chicago. So. Um, I really, there's a real soft spot in my heart for this city. And uh, actually, I, I to this day, I have the Cubs on my, uh, you know, my credit cards. Because when I went in to get my first cards in the States here, they open up this book and say, well, what symbol do you, you know, want to put on your credit card? And I said, oh, the Cubs, of course, in, in homage to Chicago. Um so I was I was uh, showing that to some of my castmates, and uh, yes, frequently people comment on my phone number if I'm calling somebody in in New York, uh, you know where I live. They say, "Oh, what's this three one two number?" 
But um, anyway, I love it. And I've had the opportunity to be back here a number of times over the years um, with shows, which has just been been great. And all, always at the Cadillac Palace, which is such a wonderful theater. So it's a real sentimental trip for me. And um, yeah, I just love it. Love the city and love the theater. And it, it's such a gorgeous theater to be in. And I really appreciate your love for Chicago. You couldn't be here at a better time of year. Maybe a little hot, but that's okay. Uh, and we'll talk a little about Chicago before I let you go. But let's talk about My Fair Lady. You know, and I have to ask you, I know this is probably not an uncommon question, but this show, I think it first premiered uh, in uh, in one form or another, 1956. We have the, you know, with, with Julie Andrews, we have the famous movie, 1964, Audrey Hepburn, Rex Harrison. What is it about this sort of classic George Bernard show? story that keeps this going 60 years later well i think it's a few things um but to me i think mainly it it one it's a cinderella story um which people you know really hooks people and um has a very very um sympathetic um central character in eliza doolittle it's someone you immediately start pulling for so that really hooks you into the story and it also has um, a story about a relationship, you know, uh, between uh, a man and a woman and a relationship that is um, not easy. And um, George Bernard Shaw, I think, really, uh, well, I know that he insisted that they not be together and that it not be a romantic comedy and uh that Eliza Doolittle and Henry Higgins were not going to end up together. And, um, but almost against his, uh, his, his wishes or against his writing audiences immediately loved them as a couple. And when Lerner and Lowe um, made the musical, um, one of them, I think it's Alan J. Lerner, you know, is famously quoted as saying, but they are meant for each other. (laughs) And so um, I think there is something very interesting and enjoyable for the audience to watch these two characters um, grappling with each other. Um, And then you have um, the fact that all of this is is put through the filter of um, uh, uh, language and um, and the fact that the musical contains so much of the incredible uh, text and, and writing of George Bernard Shaw taken directly from Pygmalion, it's almost like watching a play with music because we have so much of that language intact in the show, which is, is wonderful for, the, for us actors. And it's, I think it is great for the audience, and you simply do not, well, you, you don't get a lot of that kind of intelligence um, today in theater, I don't think, or at least in musical theater to that degree. Uh, uh, Maybe that sounds, uh, maybe I haven't quite put that the right way. You get a lot of intelligence, but you don't get a lot of that kind of speech intelligence or language intelligence. Um, And of course it has the most beautiful score ever written for a show. Um, as you mentioned earlier, every single piece of music in this show is um, a hit. You go from one song to the next that is that the audience knows and loves and, and now, I think, feels very nostalgic about.
Yeah, and for me, again, probably a question you get asked a lot, but I feel like I've got to put it out there. You know, for anybody that knows this story, Rex Harrison is the, you know, iconic Henry Higgins from the year, just the way it is, captured on film. You just got to deal with it. <laughs> That's what it is. And I'm sort of curious because, of course, Harrison really couldn't sing very well. And I was curious to see how much more singing we, we got from you, uh, you know, than we got from Rex Harrison. And I'm, at least if my memory serves me correct, I think you, you do sing more than Harrison did. Uh, and my question is, does he play at all in your mind in doing this? Or do you just say, you know what, Rex, you're great. We miss you. But this is about Laird McIntosh now. Uh, he, I mean, I think it would be impossible to say that, uh, you know, it would be like if you were playing Superman and you didn't think of Christopher Reeve, you know, you know, uh, he's Rex Harrison is, um, is, is so uh, associated with this role. And of course it's an indelible um, performance. Um, but uh, no, I mean, I don't in any way seek to, um, um, although I must say I did, uh, I, I did remind myself when working on the uh, accent, um, you know, his is a classic example of how sing songy the, um, the RP British accent is that, that upper class, um, very, you know, high and low uh, kind of quality to it. So I listened to that. But no, in, ter- in terms of the performance, our director, Bartlett Shear, was, was obviously we, we set out really to make this production our own. And um, no, I'm, I'm too much concentrated on trying to just create as much conflict as I can in the scenes <laughs> with, uh, with my partner, Shireen, out there. And um, although, you know, like everybody else, I grew up in in my household in in uh, Calgary, Alberta, Canada. You know, my dad had the album of My Fair Lady. My father just loved it. He loved the the movie and loved Rex Harrison. My dad used to quote Henry Higgins around the house when I was a kid growing up, and it's one of the first shows if not records i listened to um and um in fact i saw rex harrison on broadway in a play a few months before he died when i when i first went there uh as a young man in um it would be the fall of 1989 um he was doing a play there and i got his autograph after so i had a brief moment where i where i spoke to him and um you know, saw him coming out of the stage door and talked to him for a second. That, which is absolutely phenomenal. I, I actually collect a lot of theater and, and, and memorabilia, and I don't have Rex Harrison's autograph. I do have George Bernard Shaw's. Uh, oh, how amazing. Script, so that's sort of nice. But, oh, my but I don't have Rex Harrison. Wow. Let's talk about a couple of different things that, that kind of come out of the, you know, the comment that you just made. First of all, Shireen Ahmed, your, your co-star. If I have it right, I believe she's the first Egyptian-American not only to play this lead role, but I think to play any lead roles on Broadway. Is that right? And of course, a nice step that Broadway once again opens its door. Yes, I believe that is correct. Yeah. Yeah, she's absolutely she- wonderful. The, Shireen famously... Um, like crashed an audition for the show. Um, I think she was auditioning for something else. If I get the story right. And she was in the building in New York where they hold a lot of auditions and down the hall, there was a, my fair lady audition. And she just like put her head in the door and asked if she could come in and sing. And she ended up getting into the 
ensemble mm-hmm. on Broadway. I don't think she covered Eliza Doolittle first. And then she, um, she asked them again, could I audition for Eliza? She prepared all this stuff on her own. And she got the cover, and then she ended up going on on Broadway in the role at Lincoln Center. And then, um, um, uh, you know, she, and, and then the rest is history. She ended up getting this this great big tour that we're on now. And um, she is absolutely just the most. Uh, I just love her. She's 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 just a wonderful, wonderful um, colleague and team player and leader for the company, and and just an absolute. Uh, she's just been a delight to work with we we truly just have the best time together doing this show and i gotta tell you when she had, again it's this sort of uh, you know going back to the original which i can't help myself from doing but when she walks out I, I almost always hesitate to give things away as though people don't know the story which is ridiculous because how can anybody not know the story but um when she walks out sort of ready to go to the uh, event with you it truly looked like and was like Audrey Hepburn walking on that stage. And, and again, that's, I know Julie Andrews played it on Broadway, but, you know, my memory is not that. It is Audrey Hepburn. And she walked out. She was absolutely gorgeous and, and, and just as stunning, I think, as Audrey Hepburn was. Which makes me ask the question, you think it's about Shireen, or do you think even Bart Shearer and those folks still have the, the Audrey Hepburn's Rex Harrison? Is it in their mind at all? What do you think as you worked with him? Oh, no, it's uh, certainly not in our director's mind. No, he's, it's about Shireen, and, and it's about his, it's about, well, it's not even about us as actors, um, but it's about a, um, a new vision of the show, I think. I mean, um, you, you can't tell, I mean, in the same breath, I think, um, you know, our director um, and our costume designer, you, you mentioned the, the scene when we're going off to the ball. You know, I think, um, and I think about Shireen's first appearance in the show right off the top of the bat, you know, as the Cockney flower seller. Um, you know, Catherine Zuber, our costume designer, who won the Tony Award, um, you know, the show won the Tony Award for Best Costumes. It's got beautiful costumes. She's careful always to really pay homage, I think, to the Cecil Beaton designs from the movie and that people know so well. And to give audiences, we want the audience to always have, you know, a, their my fair, a satisfying experience of seeing My Fair Lady. Of course, we want to give them those key, wonderful moments that they, that they you know, you feel them wanting to, uh, to experience. So, um, yeah. But no, I think, I, think you're, I think you're right about that. It's almost like we can't help it. By the way, you mentioned Bart Scherr as your as your director. We just I just spoke with Richard Thomas a couple of weeks ago as he was in To Kill a Mockingbird here, another oh, Scherr yeah. show. What does it mean to where? And he has done. You could do the stuff that he's been directing that have come, that have come here lately uh, is unbelievable. But for people who aren't familiar with him, he's really an actor's director. Talk to me a little bit about working with that legend. Well. Um... Oh, he would love to hear you call him a legend. <laughs> um, well, that's why I, maybe I don't. Maybe you don't agree, but I do. No, no, he. Uh, I I do agree. He's he's great, and um, yeah, I think Bart is someone who um, pushes you and expects a lot, and um, you have to come really, really prepared if you're going to work with him. Um, and I think you have to be prepared to. Um, uh, really want to plumb the depths of 
the character that you're working on and also plumb the text of the show, which gives you a lot of, you know, I remember like, um, he, Bart is, uh, we have this line that I say in the show, um, when we return from the ball and Pickering has just sung, you did it, uh, congratulating me on, you know, succeeding on, on passing off Eliza Doolittle, uh, as a, uh, as a, as a lady. And, um, I had a line, which is, uh, you know, from the original show, um, where I said, Mrs. Pierce, uh, I want to have coffee in the morning instead of tea. And, um, you know, after a long while, Bart said to me, oh, I've been thinking about this. I'd like always hear that line and try and think, why do you want coffee instead of tea? And he said, I asked um, the same thing to myself. Yes. Well, he said, I finally realized it's because you are um, going to have a hangover in the morning. I mean, you're tipsy, you're drunk, not drunk, but you're, you're tipsy. And uh, so you want the stronger, you know, you want to have coffee, which Higgins never has. And you, you make this sort of narrative like, okay, Higgins is a tea drinker. He has, you know, and I put together my vision of him having his tea every morning and having his tea every afternoon, um, but not often coffee. And then that really informs for an actor like, okay, he's, he is not a drinker at all. He's a teetotaler. But when he does drink, he has to, you know, he's got to have something in the morning too. And it, so in other words, then that, that's the only thing that indicates that Higgins might have been drinking or uh, having a little bit too much um, at, at the ball last night. Not that I'm playing him as drunk, but it makes you realize, okay, why does he do that? He's nervous, you know. And so all of these things, if you really look at the text, you can get all these little clues um, uh, that inform the character. And this is something that Bart, our director, really obviously thinks about. And and you get, you know, you get swept along in, in this wave of enthusiasm that he has for, um, you know, absolutely like mining every moment that you, or detail that you can in the show. He's very detail-oriented. He's very concerned about giving the audience a ton of conflict. You know, I mean, this is sort of a basic thing in theater, but conflict is drama um, or drama is conflict. And, um, uh, and that's interesting for, for an audience to watch, um, you know, but it's demanding for actors yep. to play. So yeah. It's, you, it, the the last line wonderful. of the show, I think the last line of the show is bring me my slippers. Thinks that's the last thing we hear. And once again, yeah, for people who don't know the show, I try not to totally give everything away, but, but I'll ask the question in this way. First of all, what I love about this 60 plus year old show is the fact that it, it still deals with strong women, empowering women. Uh, even though your character Higgins is a you know, very sort of old fashioned or traditional as a man. My question is, and, and I really actually didn't remember this. I didn't watch the movie before I, I went to the opening, but the, the movie, the original play by, by Shaw, does, does it all, and I won't say how the, how it ends. I didn't say that line, but does it end the same way? Because, but, but after that line, as far as I'm concerned, it's an empowering moment for Eliza. Yeah, the line is is in our show and in in the movie is um, where the devil are my slippers, um, and 
Pygmalion does not have the same ending. Um, as I said, you know, George Bernard Shaw was adamant that Eliza Doolittle and Henry Higgins not be a couple together and not be romantically involved. Um, you know, probably echoing uh, his own um, relationships with women, um, and uh, which were, um, I think, uh, you know, not... Um, uh, typical relationships. Um, they were relationships of the mind as much as they were of the body, I think. Uh, but anyway, I digress. He, at the end of Pygmalion, um, Eliza Doolittle leaves and Higgins is left alone and um, she goes off to marry Freddie Einsford Hill. And as a matter of fact, people were so insistent and curious about the the ending of Pygmalion and what happens to Eliza Doolittle and Henry Higgins after the ending of the show, that George Bernard Shaw wrote for a later edition of the, um, of the play. He wrote a, like a, a, a it's either an afterword or, a, or in his foreword, he, he, he told like in prose what happens to Eliza Doolittle and, and and you can read it, you know, and she goes off to marry Freddie and is not particularly happy. Um, the the coming together of the two of them actually happened before the famous um, musical uh, was written and put into the musical and the movie. It happened in, uh, let me think, it happens in a 1937 I believe it happens in the 1937 movie um, with uh, Leslie Howard um, and uh, who's Eliza Doolittle, Wendy Hillier, I believe. Um, And um, uh, George Bernard Shaw, if I'm not mistaken, well, I know that he wrote the, the screenplay for that movie. He was involved in that movie, but um, am I getting this right? Yes, I believe that they. It was a surprise to him when he sat down and saw this movie that they had put they had paired them off together in the ending, and he was not pleased about it. Um, you know, uh-huh. but the movie was a hit. Um, in any case, it was it was um, Pygmalion ends with them being apart, and um, by the time that ending became sort of um, uh, became a tradition with the show. Um, although it's an ambiguous ending, it, it's, I don't know. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe people see it the way they, because like I do, I see it. Yeah. I do see it as empowering for her because I'm making an assumption that after Higgins says his line, <laughs> I think she sort of looked and said, heck with you, buddy. Uh, you know, you're that, That's what well, I think it is. But yeah, maybe, well, our, our our version of the show goes back to Pygmalion, and it's 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 of course it's empowering in our version of the show. Uh, yes, yes, and um, without giving away exactly what happens in our show, it's um, you know the idea that that uh, uh, he says you know where the devil are my slippers, and she brings them to him at the end of My Fair Lady is is. Um, not something that we, you know, that we uh, present in our show. Um, she's not, she is far, she's the opposite of being subservient to him uh, in our show anytime, really, you know. So she's, um, 
she is the master of her own ship. And uh, yeah. um, yes, it absolutely presents Eliza Doolittle as, as a, an extraordinary kind of genius character who um, really supersedes the teacher. Um, and that's, that's our version of the show. And Henry Higgins has an arc yeah. in the show as well. But he's very slow moving, um, you know, and he's kind of a, a dinosaur and um, he's not able to move quickly enough for Eliza Doolittle. It, it explains the song. Why can't a woman be more like a man? And, and as I'm sitting there watching, I'm going, maybe men should be more like women. But that's my view. Um, I, yes. I also I, I, I want to give a quick shout out with you, uh, the two of your colleagues you work with. because I just think they're fantastic in this show. I mean, everybody is. But um, but Kevin Pariso, who plays Colonel Pickering. Um, and Leslie Alexander, who plays your mom, they're brilliant, just brilliant. Yes, they're they're terrific. Well, we're we're so lucky. We have a great cast, and um, yeah, they they are um, um, you know everyone's a joy to work with, and and um, we we do really have a, a lot of fun. We're all friends, you know, um, off stage, and um, but yeah, it's it's such a lovely show to work on, and and. Um, and it does make a big difference when when you are all all friends, you know, the whole company. Is, yeah. It's we're lucky with a great group of people because, you know, when you tour around, well, we're lucky to be here in Chicago for two weeks. But you uh, we do some a lot of one week um, engagements and, um, you know, you get used to living out of people's pockets and um, traveling together. We're usually spending our day off or in a hotel, in a, excuse me, in a airport you know flying to the next city so you spend a lot of time together and um you know so we're fortunate that we've got a really great group but um and yeah and those are I, such fun I, I, roles yeah Mrs. before Higgins I, I lose you i have to go to uh, let me go to the chicago let me go to the Chicago question. Yeah, before I lose you, which is, um, look, you, you, you're a huge fan of Chicago. This is where your career, you know, started in its early days in a big way with Mary Poppins. So I have to tell you, I, there, I'm sure there's cast members that don't know Chicago. Are you taking them to, to Garrett's and Lou Melnati's and let's do the architectural boat tour? And, and are there things that you say you all have to do this? Well, we we've. Uh, I've already done the architectural boat tour before. I'm de- I definitely I will be at the Chicago Museum of Fine Arts, um, you know, five times while I'm here. That's my favorite thing to do on tours to go to the museums across the states. But this is obviously a favorite museum. And um, yeah, we've also I'm going to be going up to the uh, RL Grill at the uh, Polo Store because I I love that restaurant as well. Um, but yeah, I'm open to um, I'm open to any suggestions as well. I mean, I tr- truly, truly love it here. Actually, I have friends coming into town from Canada to visit because they love it here too. And um, w- they're from uh, an old friend of mine who was in the cast of Phantom of the Opera with me up in, in Toronto is, is, is coming down here. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just an awesome city. I love it. You're correct that we have beautiful weather here right now and i'm just loving being here so how can you not love it what a great place but well by the way since you are an art gallery or kind of person let me i will give you a quick suggestion before i wrap you up and i guess it's sort of plugging it for other people who are, who are listening to us but um i don't know if you're familiar with the fact that chicago has these it's relatively new these immersive art exhibits we had van gogh and now playing here is frida Kahlo and claude bonnet are you familiar with what i'm talking about 
I I'm I haven't seen them, but I've heard of them. Yeah. Oh, that and that's here right now. Is it okay? Yeah. Right to, now, Frida Ka- Van Gogh is gone, but Frida Kahlo is playing. As is Claude Monet. It's up near sort of Second City. That's the area of the city it's in, in Old Town. And um, you you sit there. They the show runs about a half an hour. It's 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 an experience. I, I I guarantee you, when the time comes, you'll call me after it's done and say, Paul, thank you for telling me to do this because that was really amazing. So let me make that as a oh, suggestion great. that uh, you I check, check that out. it out. I've got to check it out. Well, That's for, great. Thank you so much, I, Paul. Absolutely. I can't thank you enough. I just I know you all will have a great time in Lauren and Lowe's My Fair Lady, the Lincoln Center theater production of it. It's just it's so good. And the, the sets and the, you talked about the costumes, but I'm going to give a shout out to the sets. So many of us walked out last night just saying, my God, does that gorgeous uh, to watch. Oh, it good. really is. It, go ahead. So I was just going to say, yeah, that set is is wonderful. And it it. Uh, moves up and down and spins and it's a house, you know, so it's, uh, it's quite a big thing that we travel around with. <laughs> yeah. And just, and just the way Eliza has her movements walking from, you know, through, through the different rooms in the set, brilliantly done. My Fair Lady is playing at the Cadillac Palace Theater through July 10th. Tickets at broadwayinchicago.com. So wonderful when a classic like that comes back. So wonderful when a classic actor like you comes back to Chicago. Uh, and I hope you get to enjoy the Cubs game and, and uh, or whatever else you get to do in the time. I know you're, of course, you got eight shows a week, so it's busy. But Laird McIntosh, uh, thank you. Break legs every night. You, you continue to be on stage, and thank you for spending time with me here on, uh, on Behind the Curtain. Thank you so much, Paul. What a pleasure. Really appreciate it. And same here. Thank you, my friend. All the best. Well, if you want to know more about what we've talked about here, follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Paul Lisnick. That's P-A-U-L-L-I-S-N-E-K. And I'd love to hear your comments or topic suggestions for future podcasts. You can also go to my website, paullisnick.tv. And hey, don't forget to hit subscribe on WGN Plus and iTunes. And tune in each week to hear more Insider Scoop Coming to you from Behind the Curtain.